now let's turn to 363. 363, saved by the blood, 363. 363, saved by the blood of the crucified one, now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son, saved by the blood of the crucified one, once again that you would take each part of this service and you would use it to your honor and glory in your precious name we pray amen and just before we move on we've got one bit of business as a church to take care of I should have done this Thursday night uh, but all willing to receive Peter uh, Montoro into the membership of our church transfer of letter from Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City say amen 
And any opposed? Of course, we like the silence. Amen. But uh, I figured before we had him teach children's church and all the other things, we probably ought to have him become a member of the church again. Amen. And so he'll be working with us here from now on uh, for the foreseeable future. So, Brother Franz, come and lead us in that next song. Let's take your songbooks and turn to 322, 322, my sins are blotted out, I know, amen, 322. What a wondrous message in God's word, my sins are blotted out, I know. If I trust in his redeeming blood, my sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. My sins are blotted out, I know. One more song, 628, 628, My Savior's Love, 628. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me.
take your Bibles if you would. Oh, and we have a special this morning. Almost forgot. I am sorry. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, as we have for the last several Sunday mornings, and we're just going to pick up a verse there and then uh, go several other places in the Scripture and come back. But let's just start Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Jesus is answering the question of the disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and said... Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
Now, these were the words that Jesus spoke in answer to the question, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he said, except ye be converted and become as little children. And, of course, if many of you were involved in religion before you came to Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and uh, you would find out that that religion was very complex, that there was all kinds of ands and ifs and questions and doubts. And, and uh, what we are trying to do here, the whole purpose of what we do in our church, is to make this book, God's Word, as simple and as understandable and as livable as possible. Because that's the goal. People refuse simple answers. And that's what makes them live complicated lives. Amen? And so, two, uh, actually four Sundays ago now, we started this kind of a loose series. It's not really that uh, uh, just step by step as some of them are, but being simple about the Word of God. God said what He meant. He meant what He said. Amen? Mother's Day, we spend time. Why can't we just be simple about what a mother is and what she ought to do? Amen? And be simple enough to understand that where God has you is where He wants you to be. Now, I know that sounds in, uh, almost repetitious, but sometimes God has different things for different people. Why can't we just be satisfied with where He has us? Amen? And uh, this is a subject that we have covered before and, and one that we must cover again and again and again until Jesus comes back, and that is the subject of biblical forgiveness. What is forgiveness? And what I want us to do is take that same simple approach to what forgiveness is, and it's really frustrating in many ways because the people who believe most in forgiveness have done something really wrong. Have you ever noticed that? Anybody here old enough to remember uh, uh, Jimmy and Tammy? I always say their names wrong. It's... I, I, uh, uh, Jimmy and Tammy Faith Baker is what I've always called them, but uh, Baker was their name, that's right. And they came out with a program, a, a whole advertising campaign after he had admitted to gross immoral behavior and all of these things. And it was forgiven. Uh, now, let me tell you something. God forgives sins. Amen? God is a God that forgives sins, but His forgiveness is not just there so that you can feel better about what you did. Amen? God's forgiveness is not just a little band-aid that we can put over problems and say they're all gone. I get a little weary when people use God's forgiveness as a platform for them to do something that God never intended them to do. 
And so what I want us to do is, is just understand what the Bible talks about when it talks about forgiveness. And in order for us to, to do that, we've got to study, we've got to go back in the Bible and let's go to the book of Leviticus. And Leviticus is one of those books, if you're reading through your Bible, uh, it, it was always one of those books, oh no, the book of Leviticus. Let me tell you, the book of Leviticus is one of the most exciting books in the entire Bible because it sets the foundation and gives us an understanding for so many things. Now, what I want us to do is just to read a few verses in in the beginning here, starting verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord, concerning the things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them, if the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people, then let them bring for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offered. Now, as you go down through the chapter here, it gives all the regulations and the ceremonies that were to be carried out. I want us to skip down to verse 20. It says, And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering, so he shall do with this and... The Leviticus chapter 4, what did I say? Leviticus chapter 4, there we go, okay. I didn't give you the chapter number. We read verses 1 through 4 there, 1 through 3. Now we're going to go down to verse 20 of Leviticus 4. And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for a sin offering, so shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Skip with me to verse 26. And he shall burn all his fat upon the altar as the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall make an atonement for him as concerning his sin, and it shall be forgiven him. Verse 31. And he shall take away all the fat thereof as the fat is taken away from off the sacrifice of peace offerings, and the priest shall burn it upon the altar for a sweet savor unto the Lord, and the priest shall make an atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Verse 35, And he shall take away all the fat thereof, as the fat of the lamb is taken away from the sacrifice of the peace offerings, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar according to the offerings made by fire unto the Lord, and the priest shall make an atonement for his sin that he hath committed, and it shall be forgiven him. Now, what we have here is the ceremony and the ritual which the priest was to go through in the Old Testament tabernacle and later in the temple, and there was a process. But I want you to understand without taking time to go through every verse of this entire chapter, uh, as a person sinned through ignorance, the priest, the ruler, uh, individuals, there was always a sacrifice that was demanded. Now, the idea of that sacrifice, uh, uh, not the idea, but the sacrifice meant the death of that animal. Now, did the animal do anything wrong? Of course not. The person did something wrong. 
So we take this innocent animal who had done nothing wrong except it was there, and we kill that animal and cut it up, and there was a certain way that it was to be cut up. Certain parts of that animal were to be burned upon this altar. The Bible says as a sweet savor to the Lord, and the priest was to make an atonement And at the end of every one of those completed rituals, it says, and it shall be forgiven him. The first point that we must understand, if we're going to understand biblical forgiveness, is biblical forgiveness is always based on a payment for sin. You listen to the talk shows and... I don't know if Oprah's will do you any good. I really don't recommend Dr. Phil or any of those people out there. I'm sure that they have helped some people. And, and But if you want real help, it's in the Word of God. And this idea of forgiveness is so often presented as, well, I know you hurt me, but I'm bigger than that. What a lie. Are you any better than another human being? No. Now, men have come up with very many sayings. Someone says, no one ever buries the hatchet without drawing a map where he can find it again. I mean, there's all kinds of little cute sayings, you know, I don't get mad, I get even. Uh, And they reflect what is in the human heart. I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Well, listen, forgiveness is what makes this book called the Bible different from every other religion in the world. Can I tell my story again the Iranian man who visited my office this was many years ago actually back in the year 2000 I believe it was he was trying to convert me to the religion of Islam and of course every time I make that statement some people smile because they know that's not going to happen and, and uh, I had no idea why he wanted to meet me until after and I said as we began the discussion it came down to this final point I said here's the difference between your religion and mine I said, it's one word. It's the word forgiveness. And I wish, I say this every time, wish I had a video camera. I wish I could have recorded his response. Here he is in my office trying to explain to me the goodness of his religion. And when I make that statement, he pounds on my desk. And he says, there is no forgiveness. He stood up and you could just see the the anger. He says, you do unto them as they do unto you. I said, that's the difference between your God and my God. My God is a God of forgiveness. I said, but the payment for sin is not something that any man can pay for. That's why Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, paid for our sins with His own blood. Because there is no forgiveness without a payment. The most often said statement and reason, even if it's not stated, why we have difficulty forgiving other people is because we don't want them to get away with what they've done to us without being punished. 
Isn't that true? I want you to understand that 613 walls in the Old Testament, every one of them point to an altar upon which blood was poured, upon the life of the innocence was offered up. Let me tell you something. No one in all of history is getting away with anything according to the Scriptures. You say, well then, how in the world do I get to heaven? Well, let me tell you, you didn't get away with what you did. God doesn't forgive you so you can go and do whatever you want. That is not what forgiveness is about. Sometimes I wish and we cannot because God has fulfilled all of these sacrifices in the Old Testament. There there will not be a sacrifice offered again according to the Scriptures until... We meet around that great altar in the middle of the earth during the millennial kingdom of Christ. But He will show us once again if you could see the seriousness. If you had to take that living ram to the altar and confess that lie you told at work last week. And watch the priest take that razor-sharp knife and slit the juggler vein and gather that blood as the animal was held by one of the Levites. And uh, the heart of the animal began pumping that warm, salty blood into a bowl that was held by another one. And you saw that animal begin to falter and the eyes begin to roll back and the animal fell down and they picked that animal up and made sure that all of the blood was gathered in that bowl. I'll tell you what, some of us would be turning a little green around the edges. But that's just the beginning. Then the animal would have to be cut up and disemboweled and certain parts of the entrails would be put onto the altar and burned as a as a sacrifice, and other parts of the animal would be done separate, different things. And if it was a sin offering, the, the body of the animal and the bulk of that animal would be taken outside the city in a clean place and burned until it was nothing left but ashes. How many of you have ever burned a hamburger or a little piece of meat, a breast of chicken or something? And I mean, it just fills the whole house with smoke, and you've only burned one side of it. I want you to think about the amount of fire and effort it would take to reduce the entire carcass of an animal to nothing but ashes. This is what went on in that temple and in the tabernacle before it. Every day, the people would line up and the sacrifices would be offered. They tell us on Passover in the city of Jerusalem, that there would be so many lambs killed for the Passover and the blood would be poured out around the altar in the temple. It would seep down through the paving stones which the court of the temple was built and would literally paint the mountain red upon which Jerusalem stood. There is no forgiveness without a price paid. 
And until you get that idea and that heart, you'll never understand what Bible forgiveness really is. But see, the payment not only had to be made, it wasn't a fact of I hit your car and so I did $500 worth of damage. Here's $500 and I'll be a nice guy. I'll give you an extra $100 so you won't report it or whatever. The payment had to be made legally. It had to be made under the auspices of every law of this book. That payment had to be made to the priest. It had to be taken care of. And if I injured someone else, let's just turn over to Leviticus chapter 6. And it says here in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 2, If a soul sin and commit a trespass against the Lord and lie unto his neighbor in that which was delivered him to keep or in fellowship or in a thing taken away by violence or hath deceived his neighbor... Or have found that which was lost in life concerning it, and sweareth falsely in any of these that a man doeth sinning therein, then it shall be because he hath sinned and is guilty that he shall restore that which he took violently away, or the thing which he hath deceitfully gotten, or that which was delivered unto him to keep, or the lost thing which he found, or of all about which he hath sworn falsely, and he shall restore it even in the principle, and shall add the fifth part more thereto, and give it unto him to whom it appertaineth in the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, a ram without blemish, out of the flock, with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement before him before the Lord, and it shall be forgiven him for anything of all that he hath done in trespassing therein. Now, I'll tell you what, we could solve Grand Theft Auto if we just put this in force. You steal a $20,000 car, you give the owner of the car back and another $5,000. And then you have to offer the trespass offering at the temple which was a ram according to thy estimation, meaning that the priest had latitude there in saying, listen, uh, this, this offense that you did is not worthy of the sacrifice you're bringing. You may have to bring your prize ram or, or a special one, or you may have to bring more than one in order to bring up the offering that you're offering to the Lord to the level of the trespass that you committed. There had to be inequality there. There had to be a recompense toward the man that was wronged, but there had to be an equal recompense toward God that was wronged. Because when we trespass against another human being, when we sin against another, we've already sinned against God. You see, this idea of forgiveness is, is more than just one direction between me and God. Well, you may feel bad about that thing that I've done, but I made it all right with God, and you have no right to feel bad against me. Whoa, wait a minute. That is not, an, that is not the proper understanding of Scripture. If we could understand that our offenses are toward God first, and then secondly, toward other human beings. It would change your attitude just a little bit. 
in this idea of making wrong the things we've done right. Amen? Now this is the biblical parameters for forgiveness. The Bible does not contradict itself. Therefore, we should be able to take what we've learned in the Old Testament and put it in the New Testament and not find a contradiction. Amen? Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to read you a few verses. You can turn there if you want. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7 says, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We could go to so many verses this morning. Not by works of righteousness which man hath done. We could... You're redeemed not with corruptible things as silver and gold. We are redeemed... The purchase price was made through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the only payment that God will accept for your sin. This is why we can say, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God didn't die just for Adam's sin, as one church teaches. He died for all sins. And it says that He is faithful, meaning that He will complete the task which He has started. And He is just, He is perfectly right in doing this to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because all sins were paid for when Jesus Christ offered His blood in our place. Now this is the only place you can find forgiveness for your sins against God. There is no amount of money, there is no number of animals that you can bring. It must be the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross where we find forgiveness. And if you're not trusting in that today, I want to challenge you, you are not saved by the Bible, regardless of what preacher, what priest, what person has told you anything. You have no hope of heaven outside the shed blood of Jesus Christ to pay the price for your personal sins. This is what the Scripture teaches. If we took time to go through every reference, we would be here until next Sunday. And we'd still be looking at the references because this book is full of God's promises for forgiveness, not based on what you have done, but what on Jesus Christ only could do. Amen? But I want you to understand something. Forgiveness is not unidirectional. It does not just come from God to you. Because if it comes from God to you, it's got to go somewhere. And that's why Colossians 3.13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. 
Did you get that? Paul was writing to the church at Colossus, and he was telling them, listen, you need to put up with one another. You need to forgive one another. If you have a quarrel against any other person, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told the uh, apostles, he told the people he was preaching to, if you don't forgive others their sins against you, God's not forgiving you your sins against God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 18 where we're going to finish up this morning. Matthew chapter 18. And we want a simple faith. We want to be that simple childlike person because that is the key to pleasing God In fact, without it, according to the Scriptures here, there's no way you're going to see God, no way you're going to enter into His kingdom. And as we go down through this chapter, we find out that there's going to be disagreements. And we come here in verse 21 of the chapter 18 of the book of Matthew. It says, Then came Peter to to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Somebody said, if you're counting, are you forgiven? You've got 490 times. Well, actually, you got 435, uh, and, and the list goes on. No, that's not what it's talking. In fact, let's go to the story, and this is one we've been through uh, before, and, and I, I hope you won't mind going through this passage again, but let's read the rest of the chapter, verse 23 through verse 35. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Should not thou also have had compassion on my fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. 
So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now that's a pretty sharp challenge, is it not? And yet, could I say today that this idea of forgiveness as being taught right here in this passage is one of the simplest and most uh, extraordinary signs of a simple childlike faith. Have you ever had the opportunity to watch little children? And they'll get into it with each other now, won't they? He took my toy and they'll, I mean, they'll sometimes even come to blows and uh, he hit me while I hit him while he hit me first and back and forth. Usually it just takes a little intervention from an adult say, we're not going to put up with this anymore. And you may get poochy lip disease for a few minutes. But it isn't too long before those two little children who were fighting with each other a few minutes ago are playing with each other in perfect harmony as if nothing had ever happened. Do you think that may be what Jesus is referring to here when he talks about being his little children? He's not talking about picking fights with the person sitting beside you. Amen? But the idea of being reconciled easily and completely where we put all of those recollections out of our mind and are able to enjoy being with that person that just a few moments ago we had great problems with. Now let's go back and let's try to put this together. There's no such thing as forgiveness according to the Bible without a biblical, legal payment being made both to God and to the person that was wrong. Amen? Would you agree with me on that? Now, if you do, just say amen and we'll keep moving. There we go. I'm going to, get you, I'm going to teach you how to do that one way or another. Amen? And we're going to work through that. But that's the... The way of saying, I agree, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Pastor. And so we're moving forward here. We come to the New Testament. We find Jesus is that payment that was made. Amen? So now we got to get to your life and to my life. And to illustrate that, Jesus gives us a story here. Now, this king, this lord, had servants, and he was taking account of his servants. The one comes up to him, and he owes his lord 10,000 talents. Now, if you look in the margin of your Bible, it says uh, a talent is 750 ounces of silver, is is what this note, 187 pounds and 10 shillings, uh, according my Bible was printed in England. And uh, that's about $250, uh, maybe closer to 300 But let me explain to you, that's not the right 
way to evaluate the, the money that was here. If you go to other passages, a penny or a pence was a day's wage. The owner of the vineyard sent men out to work in his vineyard and he agreed with them for a penny. And so that Roman penny was a day's wage and those who are supposed to know about these things tell us that there was about the equivalent of 116 pennies in one talent. 116 days wages and just for the sake of simplicity, let's say that uh, a day's wages is $100 so that we can multiply that uh, very simply and do the math. 116 days wages at $100 a day would be, what, $11,600, right? That's not too bad. How many of you wish we were giving out free talents today? Amen. Uh, that, that'd be something worth coming to church for, right? But let me tell you, forgiveness is worth a whole lot more than money. But this man owed his Lord 10,000 of these talents. That works out to about 1.16 million days wages. Now, if you want to do the math and figure out how many years you'd have to work, to come up with 1.16 million, 1,160,000 days wages. Uh, could we just suffice to say it would be more than you could pay off in 10 lifetimes? I mean, one of the things that we just need to touch on here and make a note in this picture is what kind of king was this that only one guy could owe him this kind of debt? Uh, I mean, this just talks about the greatness of the king. And, of course, in the story, the king that is pictured here is the Lord Jesus Christ, is the king of all the universe who has infinite wages, I mean, infinite possessions. And this is not even to be worthy to, uh, to, to him to reconcile because when this first guy who owes him this great sum of money says, I, I'm asking you to have patience with me, he forgives him the entire debt. I mean, there are many of us that would like to be gracious like that, but you couldn't forgive that kind of debt without destroying yourself. I, I want you to understand that this kind of forgiveness can only come from a king whose resources are unlimited. That's why only God can forgive sin. Amen. But this servant has a fellow servant. And he goes out from this meeting with the king, having been forgiven 10,000 talents, and finds a servant that owes him a hundred pence. Now let's go back and put our same valuation in there. That would be a hundred days' wages. Hundred times hundred, ten thousand dollars. Almost a talent. I mean, that's a lot of money. It was not an insignificant debt. And he says, I want to be paid. And the guy says, I don't have it. 
it says he grabs him by the throat and drags him to jail and commands that his payment be made. Now the other servants that saw this, it says they were very sorry. And they went back and they told the king what had happened. And so the king calls back that first guy. He says, the ACLU has not been invented yet. You have nobody to protect you. I'm going to re-send my offer. And you're going to have to pay all the debt. Now the first guy, actually the second one we're talking about here that owed 100 pence, guess what? Eventually his debt would be paid. Do you think that other guy was ever going to get out of jail? No, not for all eternity. That's what the story is here. You see, Jesus tells us in this last verse exactly what he's talking about. He said, this is what my Father is going to do to you if you do not forgive others what they have done unto you. Guess who you are in this story? You and I today, as we sit here, we're debtor number one, the guy that owed 10,000 talents. How many of you remember that day you took your debt to the king? He said, there is no way I can pay my debt. But there's someone that you told me about, your son, who paid my debt for me. The Bible says that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, He'll save you. Amen? It says that we can have forgiveness through His blood. But if that forgiveness does not extend through you to others, then the Bible says you don't have the forgiveness that you think you have. You say, but you don't know what so-and-so did to me. No. And honestly, it wouldn't do you any good to tell me. Because my attitude toward this thing is not going to help you one way or another. This is something that you have to settle between you and God and the person who has hurt you. Amen? It's a little quiet when we start talking about things like this, doesn't it? But this is what being that simple, childlike believer in the Savior is about. It's about being able to look any other human being in the face and love them as the Savior would love them. Jesus said, They shall know ye are my disciples, or you're what? Ability to analyze the Scripture and apply it to every situation. No, it doesn't say that. It says, for your love, one for another. Amen? And the greatest expression of love I can have toward another human being is to share the truth of this book with them. Because this is what's going to change their life and make their life closer to God. Amen?
Now, I want us to look at this picture and think about a couple of things and we'll be done. When the Lord originally forgave that first man the 10,000 talents, what he did was he said, I am going to take possession of all of your debt. It now belongs to me. I mean, we, we do this today with companies and things. A company will go bankrupt and another company will actually buy their bills. Now, what happens to everything that is owed to that first person? When they buy your debt, guess what they also buy? They buy your accounts receivable. They go with them, do they not? Are you following me here? I mean, you've got to think about this. But when you buy the debt of a company, you also buy its accounts receivable. Anybody that owes company A anything now owes it to company B who just bought company A's debt. Does that not hold true with the Savior? If he bought all of your debt, and somebody owes you something, do they not then truly owe it to God rather than to you because He now owns all your debt? And wouldn't it be very childish and much simpler to let the person who owns the debt take care of what other people owe because it's no longer owed to you, it is now owed to God? This is the first reason why you must forgive every other person. Is because when you sold your sin to God, He took it. And along with that, He took everything that everybody owes you. So it's no longer yours. It belongs to the Savior. This is the practical application of the verse, casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Are we still together? I got some smiles on that one, so good. I mean, these are God's words. It behooves us to put a little thought process into trying to understand exactly what is being said here. Amen? That debt that we gave to God. And if you will understand this truth, it will allow you to take all of the hurt and the pain and the suffering of years gone by and give it to the Savior and allow Him to carry it for you. That sounds kind of childish to me. But that's how we live a simple faith. Amen? That's how we can look someone in the face who has done great hurt to us and not want to hurt them back because we're going to let God take care of that thing. And by the way, let's go back even further. How many sins did Jesus pay for when He died on the cross? Do you have the right to hold against another human being something that God is willing to forgive them for? No, you do not. 
What happens if they refuse God's forgiveness? Same thing that happens to you if you refuse God's forgiveness. It's called eternity in a place called hell. Until the great white throne judgment when hell and death, death and hell are cast into the lake of fire and then will be eternity future for those who have refused God's forgiveness. But if you accept God's forgiveness, you cannot hold against another human being what God is willing to forgive them. In fact, I stop worrying about what they're going to do and how they're going to react. I start praying that that very person will accept God's forgiveness so that we can be reconciled here on this earth as well as together in heaven. Amen? There are some things, because we are human beings that can never be made right here on earth. But I'll let my Savior carry that burden. He will set things right. And by the way, I didn't get away with anything. Jesus paid for everything I did on the cross. And no one will get away with anything. That's why I must have God's forgiveness in my life. And if I have God's forgiveness, it's got to go through me to others or I don't understand what I have. This morning I want us to think about this. Do you have God's forgiveness for your sins? Now, just because you're having problems forgiving another human being doesn't mean that you've not been saved. But if you refuse to forgive another human being, it means that you never got the forgiveness yourself. You see the difference between those two? As a human being, we're going to struggle with every good thing that's in the Bible. That's what we ought to be doing. That is the life of the true Christian, is to struggle to be obedient to the Word of God. Refusing to be obedient to the Word of God is completely a different story. And we don't have time this morning, but you go back to the Old Testament. If someone refused God's law, they were cut off from Israel. There were no sacrifices for that sin. But if we surrender to what the law says and be obedient to the Word of God, we can have God's forgiveness in this life and in eternity to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And Lord, we ask that your Word would be ministered to our hearts that we would understand what these words say. And Lord, as the little children that we are commanded to be, we would try to take the complexity out of them that are offered by well-meaning men and simply understand that you are the only payment for our sins. And when we have your forgiveness for our sins, we have no right to hold against any other person what you're willing to forgive them. 
Lord, I pray that we would understand what it means to be truly forgiven. Lord, my first prayer is for anyone in this auditorium this morning who is not saved, who is not born again in the Bible way, that today would be the day that they would lay aside their trust in all of these things, in their religion, in their good works, in anything that they might be trusting in, and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. Lord, we secondly pray for those who are saved today, but they're struggling. As we speak the word forgiveness, there's someone's picture that comes into their mind's heart. Someone who has done things to hurt them. Lord, we pray that today would be a day as those little children who are set right that we would allow the God of heaven to set us right and that your forgiveness would flow through us as you have designed it to do, that we may be simple in trusting in the Savior. We ask that your work would be done during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As Brother Franz.